What is up, everybody? My name is Matt, and welcome back to the 10th. That's right, double digits. The first time we've gotten to double digits, the 10th episode of the Men in Red 97 podcast. And I believe for the first time since we started this show, it's the first time we've had the trio. So myself, Alan, and DJ in two consecutive weeks. I don't know if that's true, but I just thought it as I clicked record and figured I'd say it, and then Alan or DJ would fact check me. It, that is correct. Um, the only time we've been consecutively together as the regular trio has been episodes one and two. Afterwards, it's either been like two of us or like um, someone else joining, Tim, Alex, Jiggly, or uh, the special and the upcoming specials. But yeah, no. This is the first time in a hot minute. Well, it's great to hear your voices. How are you doing today? I'm breathing, honestly. Um, Low-key exhausted slash tired because of sports, but that's what I get for supporting such teams. So, c'est la vie. DJ? Yeah, basically. Same thing. You're breathing? I don't even know about breathing at this point, but yeah. It, it, yeah, basically. You are a zombie that you were trying to kill. You have become the zombie. I am part gator, part fish. That's <laughs> awesome. That, that is the zombies we have in Florida. We have gator, fish, zombies. Gator. What are you, living in the middle of the Everglades or something? I mean, it's not much cooler. <laughs> no, fair enough. It was, um, it's been an eventful week yeah. in Fireland. There's honestly... In my opinion, the most to talk about this week compared to anything we've had. We've had new contracts. We've had the Open Cup. We've had uh, coach craziness. We've had a, a MLS game. There's so much. Let's get right into it. I want, unless you guys, do you guys have anything else to say? I cut the intro short. Well, uh, I have a, just a funny thing about breathing. I remember in high school, we were playing soccer and I got hit in the face. My glasses broke. I was on the floor. My gym teacher was like, Alan, are you okay? Are you breathing? I was like, I don't know. And he was like, good, good. That's good. <laughs> that's a good coach right there uh, i love mr mcguire well i am glad to hear that at least alan is breathing i'm also breathing i had a long weekend but i'm happy to be here a little tired so if you hear it in my voice it's because i am i'm a little tired no need to shy away from it oh, a lot to talk about let's dive right into it starting on when was it last tuesday this is being recorded on sunday april 30th the mm-hmm. open cup game was what tuesday wednesday i can't wednesday remember. Wednesday. It was Wednesday. What? The, what is it? The twenty sixth. I literally can't do math. It was the twenty sixth of April. Yes, twenty sixth of April. Fire versus house. The first Chicago Derby ever. I was there. Alan was there. DJ was not there. He lives in Florida. It was a fun game. What? What were your initial thoughts? What were your initial thoughts? Either of you could start. Well, correction. First Chicago Derby in twenty three years. I'm pretty sure. Sorry, soccer's. Sorry, yes. soccer's. My bad. It's all right. It's all right. I didn't know previously as well. Um, first of all, I think the vibes were chill. They were chill. You know, we were just chilling in the supporter section over in the Harlem and the TIFO was really cool. The Alice in Wonderland inspiration uh, that we'd bring out after every goal, as well as when Sector Latino had a little pyro show going on at the end. I think, I, I think overall it was pretty cool. It was a bit cold. Um, so I did have to put on my jacket near the end. Um, but other than that, I think... Chill vibes, chill vibes for a for a Wednesday night cup game. Honestly, really cool. DJ, did you get a chance to watch the team cast? I got to see, I think, the first 35 minutes or so. I didn't see Burks' first goal, but 
from what I saw, and I did listen on later on without my managers knowing, <laughs> but from what I saw and heard, it did sound like a really good game for the fire. And that goalkeeper for the house, uh, what's his name? Hatzelman, something like that. Yeah. From what, what I heard, he apparently decided, you know what? I'm going to be the only thing keeping us from a blowout today. Yeah, he was absolutely ridiculous. I think in the second half, he had three like point blank shot stops, fantastic yep. shot stops. He, like you said, DJ, only thing stopping the game from being six nothing. But overall, like I'm happy with three zero. Mm-hmm. You know, you always like to see more goals, but the fact that we got a shutout and we did our job, and I believe someone quoted it as a professional, um, like mature performance from the fire, and I think accurately that's the best way to describe it. What we wanted to see, for the most part, happened. I think, as usual, both in MLS and in the Cup games, um, just that final third. just Essentially, just getting the ball to the back of the net has been the the one and grand issue. And of course, with um, Anthony Halterman, that's the goalkeeper's name, um, him making overall seven saves in the game, you know, that didn't help. In, in terms of fire, getting even more goals. Um, there were some really close shots. Marin uh, Halasalasi, he hit the crossbar with one of his free kicks. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, a win is a win. And we're in the next round. So, yeah, I think that's what's most important. And my favorite part is now we have St. Louis at home two times in four days. Yes, that's going to be a wild week. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The stink of St. Louis fans are going to be in Chicago Ugh. or Bridgeview all week. I'm already not looking forward to it because they're very frustrating fans to deal with, in my humble opinion. I mean, the only the only experience I have is way, way back when I was in eighth grade and we had a trip to St. Louis. Our bus dropped us off right in the front of the Cardinal Stadium. So we all decided as a collective to start singing Go Cubs Go course i didn't join in for obvious reasons and then when we were walking down like it's like there was like a promenade near the cap uh, near the capitol or something or like some government building and there were like banners for the blues for the playoffs we started singing chelsea dagger so nice. it was it was nice fun. little trolling yeah and of course no one was going to do anything because we were eighth graders I think someone in our internal slack channels wrote like a good tifo idea and it was like attendance because obviously there's attendance jokes you know mm-hmm. about the fire being low in attendance and st louis is selling out everything it was um attendance it was like the st louis ram zero the chicago bears 56 000. oh yeah I, I saw and that i like that i thought that was really really funny and should definitely be like a poster or something like that so if you hear this um you'll definitely hear this before the st louis game if you like that idea make it a poster because that's that's called good banter that's healthy good banter that everyone will support just a bit of banter just a bit of banter DJ, you're the king of banter. Is that actually good banter, or do I just think it's good banter? Why am I the king of banter? What the heck? I don't know. You're just you're just a silly <laughs> guy, man. You just come up with silly things. You're just a silly, goofy man. I need you to validate me. Is what I'm asking you to do. I validate nothing. For there are not enough. Uh, there's not enough slander towards St. Louis in that statement. No. There needs to be more. You know what? Fair enough. Well, it, it's going to be an exciting week. But before that, obviously, we got a slew of stuff to deal with. My favorite thing that came out of the house game wasn't actually the result on the pitch. It was two things. Um, one, Jack King, our fantastic creative director here at MIR, came out with a uh, Peter Will Derby poster that kind of went viral in the local soccer community. If you didn't get a chance to see it, check it out. It's on the Instagram and the Twitter. It's incredible. 
the goal is um, just for self-promotional purposes is to produce um, shirts and posters. Uh, but because we are not incredibly, you know, I'll use the word advanced at creating shops and producing merchandise, the process is taking a little bit. So if you are listening to this and you are interested, keep it in the back of your head. It's coming. It's going to happen. Jack's art is way too good not to be out there in the world. And if you saw on Twitter, everyone wanted a piece of it. So be sure to check that out. Additionally, Tim Holtz, one of our fantastic writers, came out with a 3D printed little fire who is the new mascot um, for Men in Red 97. Um, and if you've not followed him on Twitter, very, very funny, very, very cute. Uh, hopefully, Tim starts mass printing those and we can give those out to the community as well. What do you guys think, Lil Fire? You like him? Uh, I love him. I actually just turned on my camera so you guys can see, but Tim gave me a little 3D printed uh, Lil Fire mm-hmm. and he's adorable. I see it. It looks, it looks cute. He's it cute. And I've actually asked one of my friends um, who is huge in uh, into painting figures for D&D um, to, to give him some more color. So yeah. Uh, so hopefully we, we can bring even more color to Little Fire. So yeah, no, thank you so much, Tim, for making those. No, super cool. The, Jack got the first one because Little Fire is his, uh, is his baby. Uh, it just has yep. a broken arm. So if you ever see a Little Fire with a broken arm, know that that is Jack's and it's also the original. So it's very, very... It's like the god of Little Fire, yeah. I guess I should say. Also, if I remember correctly, Tim said that Little Fire is technically non-binary since it's just a flame. So that's that's awesome. Super yeah. cool. That was something we were talking about at the tailgate uh, last night. There was like, what's what's their gender? It's like it's it's, it's a freaking flame. Well, I just love how Jack has started creating art mm-hmm. um, and like stories with Little Fire. I believe Lil Fire on Twitter is Lil Fire 97. I'm going to yep. double check that. It is. But I could totally see the lore for Lil Fire getting completely out of hand and hilarious. So I highly, <laughs> highly recommend um, going and dropping Lil Fire a follow right now. Yeah. At Lil Fire 97. At Lil Fire 97. There's a joke on there, um, Ezra's potato comment from last week. And it's really, really cute and really, really funny. Check it out. Yeah. That's all we'll say about it. I could talk about Lil Fire like for a, a, an hour. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> that would be not a quality use of time, so I'm not going to do that. No, yeah. Somehow, with the lore, he's going to get like warped into the lore of Warhammer 40k, so <laughs> we'll see how it happens. Always. Now, Alan, I know obviously you came down from Chicago, mm-hmm. and I know you love talking about traffic, so here's your moment to shine. This, wait, this should be like a, wait, this should be like a, Austin, if you hear this, insert like a, like a news, breaking news. Uh And here's Alan Krolikowski with the Traffic Report. Alan, thanks, Alan. So, as always, getting to SeatGeek is an absolute thing of itself, getting down I-55. There was a bit of traffic. I did take the bus from Reggie's. They have a bus that goes to games. It did come a bit late. So, by the time we got into the stadium, and by into the stadium, I mean into the lot because of the traffic on Harlem and the street next to it, you know, the huge line getting into the lot. By the time I got in, I'm pretty sure it was around the 10, 12th minute. So that's what it was. So uh, that's my traffic report. Uh, getting out of the city uh, during the rush on I-55 is no bueno. Back to the Men in Red 97 podcast. Just to, just to like really quickly go over it because I'm not 100% sure the answer. Like, who? how'd you get home? 
Oh, so there was this really, you know, this really handsome fellow, you know, his name is Matt. And I was, I was like, you know, I don't want to take the bus all the way back to downtown just to come down on the orange line again. So I was like, hey, you know, is someone able to give me a lift to the, to the train? And this one guy, you know, this absolute splendid man who founded Men in Red 97, his name is Matt. He was like, Alan, I got you. And I was like, Matt, you're my, you're my hero. You're my savior. And I love you for that. And then as we were approaching, I think it was Cicero, he's like, oh, I'm like uh, looking at the map. I'm like, oh, we're going to be turning right soon. That's pretty cool. I'm going to go into the right lane. And I look to my right and there's a pickup truck in that lane. I was like, oh, Matt. <laughs> so that's we're okay. We were fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're still here. So we're here. <laughs> so I didn't hit the truck, guys. I didn't hit the truck. It's okay. I will happily drive Alan to the orange line again. Um, but this is your daily reminder to use your blinkers, first of all. That's very important. Check your mirrors. Um, yeah, <laughs> check your mirrors, too. That's probably a good one. Stay safe. We'll tell my mom, but I didn't do it. So glad everyone got home safely. DJ, still sad you haven't been able to make it out to a game. Hopefully, in due time, you will. I don't know. Are we down in Orlando or down in Miami this year? Let me check. Well, while he checks that out, we should get a GoFundMe or like a Patreon setup to fly DJ out to Chicago, even if it's... Just for a game. <laughs> I actually may be heading up next year, possibly. <gasps> but because there's a solar eclipse going over where my grandparents are buried, or great grandparents. Huh. Yes, oh, we are incredible. Orlando on the first, and that's it. Nice. Cool. Unclabble. Well, in other news, besides the Open Cup, which was obviously great, we have St. Louis at home on May 9th, two days after, three days after the Nashville game, which is a pretty quick turnaround. So I'm really interested to see that. Uh, Carlos Turan, new contract to 2026, possible extension to 2027. What do we think? We happy about that? I personally think Carlos Turan has shown an incredible amount of growth since his debut in 2020. Um, since that debut, he's had three goals, seven clean sheets in 45 appearances. That doesn't seem like a lot, but personally, especially in this season, as well as when he came in for Wyatt Omsberg after his injury, he's shown a lot of growth. And I know even in maybe in the last game, he didn't have, you know, he had a bit of struggles and he did have to come off a bit earlier. I feel like, you know, he has the potential to continue that growth here in MLS. And, you know, and, and if he does go over to Europe or somewhere, we can uh, once again get a, get a decent amount from him. So cheers to that. Yeah, this is very much a year a Euro contract, as I will call it. A contract that they're signing because they know someone's gonna swoop in. Well now his value has also probably been inflated because he's on a four three year, four year contract. With a possible extension. With a possible extension. And and he's been like Ellen said, he's been great this year. Uh he struggled a little bit early on when we got him. Very, very raw talent. I know a couple people on Twitter were saying he was so so raw. If he figured it out. He'd be a top defender in the league. And right now, I I would argue that he's better than Rafa Shios. And I know that's going to take a lot of people off because Rafa's, Rafa's had his moments recently. So I, I know he's the captain and I know he's the leader. But to have a guy like Tehran has been pretty consistently you know, one of the better defenders in the league next to Rafa, who I feel like is a red card or yellow card away from getting a red card every single game mm-hmm. um, at this point, is is really, really good for the team. And hopefully you know him coming off early last game, aka yesterday, um, which feels like ten years ago after that performance. Um, you know, he he gets he gets back onto the pitch, hopefully as early as Nashville. But I haven't heard an update about it. I don't think there has been an update about it. 
Yeah, Correct. but in terms of market value, um, according to TransferMark.us, as of last November, his uh, market value is exactly 1 million euros. So that's probably gone even more up since then. I was going to say, I feel like that's incredibly undervalued. Mm-hmm. He's definitely worth more than a million dollars. I don't know how accurate transfer market like values are, but there's no way he goes for just 1 million. No. I'm also just like not good at like valuing people. I feel like DJ would be good at that. Once again, I just feel like DJ would be good at that. DJ, what do you think? <laughs> I don't, I'm just getting the vibe. I'm, we all have our videos on, which is actually, this is the first time we record these on discord. And for some reason we just turned our videos on. I was looking at DJ and I could see him pondering this over. And I'm really interested to hear his thought. Uh, the problem with what you just said is I'm sitting here. I can't. I can't go into detail why. Let's just say that I've had this conversation before with a friend of mine. About Carlos Tarrant's transfer market value? Uh, no, about selling people, about valuing people. Oh, okay. I <laughs> and see. The second, and for reference, Matt's saying this also while my hair is extremely short. Yeah, it looks good. Oh, though, looks nice. Yeah. yeah so right now, good. I have that conversation going through my head, looking at myself in, in the camera, and I'm like, "This is not <laughs> this. This is not the conversation." <laughs> well, <laughs> DJ, both Alan and I and the viewers know that you are beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. all that Regardless, Carlos Turan value going up. We get that. Great to see him on a new contract. Hopefully, he's around for a couple of years. Most importantly, hopefully we see him back in for Nashville because outside of Rafa, there has been no concrete backup center back. It was interesting to me, we could talk about this more when we talk about the game yesterday, to see Pineda come in for him, yeah. considering um, Ezra has not used him all year as opposed to a guy like Burks or Wyatt, who wasn't even in the 18 at all, uh, and is coming off a two-goal game against House. So that was an interesting decision to me. I don't have an explanation as for why. Um, I don't have an explanation for a majority of things going on in uh, Ezra Hendrickson world right now, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But I don't know if you guys thought that same thing, but to me, it was really interesting. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we'll get into the details of that um, and a bit, bit later on after we really talk about the game against New York. In other news, across the pond, over in Switzerland, crazy things are happening that I'm like absolutely flabbergasted by. And I know the diehard Fire fans who you know, really care, um, are also flabbergasted by. And that's what's going on with FC Lugano and Young Boys. Now, for reference, FC Lugano is also owned by Joe Mansueto, the owner of the Chicago Fire. And a lot of people are looking at Lugano um, as a place where fire players go who fail. Um, well, they're in second place in Swiss. And there's a few good teams in Switzerland. They're just coming off a 5-1 win against fifth-place Grasshopper Club Zurich, where John Espinoza, John Espinoza, former right back, Colombian, Ecuadorian, Ecuadorian, Venezuelan, what is he? Ecuadorian. 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 Three assists. I think that's more than he had in MLS total. In fact, I think three assists is more. I don't even think he had three appearances in MLS play. I, he, I don't think he even, he had one. No, wait. I don't think he had assists even. Let me check. Three, three assists in one game while, while DJ checks that. Five and 12 games, which isn't as great of a number because three obviously came from one game. But I, I saw in like Footmob, he had like a 
three match rating, which was incredible to me. Even crazier was our old DP, Ignacio Aliceta, Argentinian youngster we got from Defensia Justicia, I think is how you pronounce it. Probably not. Yeah. Three goals and one assist and had a 9.7 rating or something like that. 15 goals for Aliceta in 24 games. So my question to you guys is, are they simply in a better system or is the Swiss League actually worse than MLS? What do you think? I don't know how many McDonald's there are in uh, Switzerland, so that might explain Aliceta. Wow, throwing out the McDonald's thing, huh? <laughs> Man, that's but, a negative press. But in all honesty, I think it's a mixture of the Swiss League is not great. They're one of the leagues that doesn't even qualify for the Champions League directly. So it's not like they're going from MLS to Premier League. They're going basically from MLS to a league that's not at the same level, but it's not really anywhere better. There's that and also change of location, change of pace and everything. That helps players out massively, and that's clearly helping them here. Alan, what do you think? Is Alistair just better? I just, first of all, I've ne- I know absolutely nothing about the Swiss League. You know, I've been to Zurich once when I had a connecting flight there. And I'm actually going to be, when I go to Italy, I'm, I have another connecting flight in Zurich as well. I know absolutely nothing about the Swiss League, but like DJ mentioned, it's not this, it's not really, you know, quality wise, it's not really anything that you hear about. I mean, you sometimes hear about young boys when they do somehow make it through qualifiers into the Champions League or one of the European tournaments. So simply, I don't know, maybe these players are not good enough for MLS or the current system that they had. And at the same time, they're just decent enough for Switzerland. So, you know, in terms of questioning, like, do we bring one, either, you know, either one or both back to Chicago? It's, mm, it's probably not. Prob- no, I, I personally don't see that just yet. The only reason you bring one or both of them back is if there starts being major interest from bigger European leagues and you bring them back and say, okay, we have them, we'll sell them to you for this much. Because at this point, if you bring back Ali Seda, you're either going to get the outside that you had before or you're going to take the chance on that. And realistically, do you really want to make that chance again? Pass. Yeah. It's, it's not worth Pass. it. And I've checked I checked the stats. Um, in the time that they were in the fire, John Espinoza had one assist. And um, I can't remember in how many games, but for Aliceta in 23 games, he had four goals and one assist uh, in his time here. Stanislav Ivanov has more goals than John Espinoza. Yeah, but Ivanov was also a winger, so a little different story. Apparently, so was Espinoza to Ezra. In well, Paris. Ezra Hendrickson doesn't know the difference between a fullback and a winger, as we learned from yesterday's game. Uh, but that's a whole note. We can make a whole podcast about the difference between a fullback and and, and winger uh, and just like send it to Ezra. But we're not going to do that because that's toxic. I think it's important to remember last thing about Espinosa and Aliceta is these were guys coming out of South America that actually had like genuine potential. Aliceta specifically was a pretty high prospect in the Argentinian system. So to see him actually producing um, is good for him. And I'm happy for him that, you know, he found a fit, and hopefully he gets that boost to a bigger league and a bigger team. Espinosa, another guy, another young Ecuadorian who, you know, has not started all of uh, Lugano's, you know, games, but has 
put in his shift when need be. I'm really curious to see how many of those Espinosa assists were actually for Aliceta, but we don't have to look into that now. If you do know, talk about it in the comments because I'm really, really curious. The other interesting thing going on in Switzerland, which I find more interesting, yep. is um, is Rafael Wicki, former Chicago Fire head coach Rafael Wicki, and his first place young boys. First place, 2.5 points per game in 41 games, 26 wins, 10 draws, 5 losses, in comparison to 0.98 points in 51 games with the Fire. And he had 12 wins, 14 draws, and 25 losses. I'm going to go ahead and say, first off, it benefits him for playing or for coaching the best team in the league. It's either Young Boys or FC Basel year after year. So I want to just take that whole first place Young Boys thing with a grain of salt. Young Boys typically is in first place. Now, I'm not like saying Rafael Wicke is a shitty coach. Now I got to make it explicit. Screw me. A shitty coach. Leave it out. Uh, Leave it out. No, don't believe it out. It's genuine reaction. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I'm saying, in my opinion, the resources he has at Young Boys is easier to win the league than with the resources he has in Chicago Fire winning MLS. Thoughts? I think this can also still be extended to Heights, especially. Well, it can be extended fully with him and Wiki in their first season in MLS and can still be extended to a bit right now with Heights. They were completely unaware of how different MLS is to the rest of the world, especially in Europe. You know, MLS is its own little bubble in terms of the way it functions, you know, with our, with our funny money and the drafts and all of that. Heights and um, Wiki at the time really tried to take a more European approach, getting, you know, players from Europe and a few other places in the world, you know, not really taking too much from Academy and what, and from, um, you know, from the actual U.S. soccer system. And that just didn't work out. And since, you know, Wiki went away and in comes Ezra, they've tried to go for a more, you know, domestic uh, approach, getting a lot more players from Academy or, you know, U.S. players. And I've heights is, I guess, sort of started leaning on towards that too. But at the same time, those players that we do bring from abroad, you know, have been either okay or... Uh, I feel that it's a whole different ball game stateside. Yep. I think Wiki kind of failed on that front. Are you, are, DJ, are you happy to see Wiki um, thriving or are you more like, um, like, why can't anyone actually do that with us? I will say, um, Wiki did coach before in Switzerland. He's coached for Basel back mm-hmm. in 27 18. Mm-hmm. He did well there. So, Switzerland, he at least has knowledge on. It also helps that there's only 10 teams in Switzerland, and it really didn't help Wiki that he really had one season. If we're being honest, he had part of one season because 2020 was 2020. So like that entire year was just so messed up that it's like, I'm very happy Wiki's succeeding, and I completely understand why he didn't succeed here either. I'm not a fan of immediately firing a manager. I feel like so many teams that are especially struggling right now not just in MLS, but whole world, even in top five leagues, those teams that are very like, not even one full season, like a full season and a bit, and then they immediately fire the manager because they're not exactly what they want. It's just a repeat. It's a continuous cycle. That's why 
with some managers, you know, especially if you see glimpses of, you know, potential, it's like, okay, you know, one season, you know, we got to keep building upon that. So I'm not a fan that that's happened. I know he had like family or like personal reasons that I guess that brought him back to Switzerland because I know near the end of his tenure, he um, was already being subbed by Frankie Klopas um, because he had to go back to Switzerland. So maybe that also had to factor in there. But overall, you know, he didn't, I guess, adjust well to the MLS system, like I've been saying. And at the same time, I feel like it might have been a bit too quick. I'm Overall, I'm just not a fan of getting rid of managers too quickly because they haven't completely adjusted to the system that they've inherited from the previous from the previous management and, you know, created something with that. On that topic, too, of managers constantly rotating, it is worth mentioning something that I thought of with the fire, but we haven't had a long-term manager for the fire in years. And there's a video from a Danny T Radio on YouTube that I didn't even know this. Chivas USA went through like 10 managers in less than 10 years. The problem when you constantly replace managers is you go into that. And that's not even factoring in the problems with player movement and all of that, mm-hmm. which I talked about last week with 2013 to 2014. You lose Frank Klopas, you go to Frank Gallup, Yelp decides, I don't want half these guys. Then Pano gets rid of everybody but Johnson and then gets rid of Johnson. Like, if you're constantly changing managers, you're not going to get anywhere. All you're going to get is a handful of shit. So one thing I want to add to that in a little of analogy of from an educator standpoint, because it's the same thing, especially, you know, in the music world, when there's a change of direct of leadership, like if there's a change in like a band or choir director, people aren't going to be happy in the first season. Why? Because things are changing. You know, people are naturally scared of changes in the first season. And I remember when I was leaving high school, they changed the choir director. And whenever I talked to people like, how is it? They'd be like, it sucks. It's terrible. We hate it. And now as the years have gone on and they've built their own system, they built their own like little environment, they've been fairly successful. And it's the same thing in the world of sports and especially in the world of soccer. If you don't give the person enough time, they're not going to have, you know, I guess that time to create that own environment and to, you know, Make their own little change. Yes, I see your hand, Matt. Matt I'm raising my hand because I didn't want to talk over DJ again accidentally. The council recognizes I, you, Matt. The chair <laughs> recognizes the right honorable Matt. I have a question that will help us transition into, into the discussion regarding the Red Bull game. And I'll start off by saying I put out a post. or It wasn't a poll. It was a post on Twitter ranking, asking people to rank um, the last like five or six coaches, including Klopas, Yellup, Pano, Wiki, and Ezra. Um, and I didn't really clarify what the criteria was. I just asked them to rank it. And the reason is because I was really interested to see what people would say. And I, of course, like that's why I tweet anything. But in this particular case, DJ, you're like the, the king, and I know I'm calling you out again, but I know this for a fact because you tweet about it. Um, you're the king of knowing how many points we drop like throughout the season. And obviously, that's an issue. How many points, and Alan, I'm posing this question to you too. How many points do we drop this season if Rafael Wicke is in charge and not Ezra Hendrickson? Or is this such a hypothetical question that you can't even fathom to come up with an answer? 
Rafa didn't have as many points dropped. I was looking at this yesterday when I before I posted it, or after I posted it. I think they got through like half the season, and Rafa had only dropped like four points after the 80th minute. With the roster we have now, it probably still happens that we start losing points still, but I don't think we drop quite as badly because we dropped like 15 points this last two years with Ezra. I think it's closer to 10 with, with Wiki. Interesting. Interesting, because I think overall the, the, the roster was better during Ricky time, Wiki time. And this might be a hot take. Roster was better during Wiki time. But right now we're... Rob, what did, what did I say? I think you said Ricky at first, and I just th- I just uh, I just thought Waffle Ricky. It's been a long day. Is, uh, Alan, Alan, what, what do you think? Would we uh, would we would we have more drop points? Would we have the same amount of drop points? If I were to put Raphael Wiki with the current squad we have right now, I would say no. I would say that overall we have a squad that probably even with. You know, some players that I won't name that a lot of fans believe that they don't put in this the effort that they should be. I feel like overall, this is a team that cares a bit more than the team that Wiki had. So if we were to have Wiki in the current position with this team that honestly, in my opinion, shows that they do care and they want to put in even more effort and they want to put in that effort, we wouldn't have dropped as many points. Interesting. I am. I don't have an answer. I'm going to be honest. I don't have an answer. I'm just curious to know if you guys had answers. and I found them very informative, so thank you so much. I will say I think it also would matter if Wiki still has locker room. That's just, true. If Wiki loses the rock, because I think that's what happened in 21 was Tyrus, I think, mentioned Wiki lost the locker room after a while, and once you lose the locker room entirely, you're not getting it back. You're not going to stay. Game over. Unless you get rid of everyone. And, yeah. So well, I, I feel like we're if 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 Wiki can keep the locker room, then we don't lose as many points. DJ, you and I are just stepping on each other's toes today. I feel What's like going we on? should just start keeping the cameras on so that if we have something <laughs> to transition to, we can just raise our hand. Just raise our you guys hand. are literally getting like a first look at us trying to figure out how to not talk over each other. This is this is like behind the scenes action right now. When you oh. wish to talk, raise the burrito. Uh, DJ all- now has a throw throw burrito <laughs> in his hand, which all is right. how you know the the conversation needs to continue over all right. to the next stop. <laughs> all right, and, and I'll just I'll raise I'll raise my hand. <laughs> Speaking of dropped points, oh god, I can't wait for Austin to hear this. He's going to be like, uh, what, "What did you What did you throw me this time?" Uh, speaking of drop points, we dropped two more points this mm. past Saturday, aka yesterday, at the time of recording, uh, which has led to the whole conversation about. Points being dropped this season is Ezra on the hot seat. Um, Alan, you had a drum in the supporter section, apparently. I didn't see that. Yes. So for the first time ever, um, I'm taking a percussion class currently at DePaul. And, you know, I've been doing rudiments. And I've been feeling really good. You know, my teacher said I'm doing fairly well. Um, I remember telling people like, hey, I'm doing a percussion class. And they'd be like, oh, it'd be pretty cool if you brought your drum to Soldier Field. And I was like, Okay. So I got in contact with Leslie with the with supporter relations. Pretty cool, pretty cool person. A pretty cool person. Shout out to Leslie. We all love her. Um, I got the drum in. Um, I was in our usual section. I was in the fourth row, uh, same row as like the huge bass drum that uh, bass drum that La Banda have. And 
I was going at it. And one of the people over there, they came over to me and they were like, hey, why don't you join us over there? And I was like, oh, I want to, you know, keep uh, have the rhythm spread out across the section. They're like, you're doing a really good job. And I was like, yay. And I had a lot of fun. And I also didn't lose my voice. So, you know, next morning I was able to go to my church job and uh, <laughs> sing normally. So, yeah, no, I, I think I'll, I'd, I'd like to keep bringing the drum back. You know, I, I, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I loved it. I, I will say I did see you on the broadcast and I was like, ah, there's Alan with his drums. Yeah, no, it was super fun. And uh, when I was listening back to like highlights, you can hear you can hear the snare drum. So I was like, that's super cool. Well, I'm I'm just glad you had a good time. Mm-hmm. And I know next game, bring your drum. I'll be there at the St. Louis game and I'll sing with you. I promise on God. Okay. Yay. I can't sing. I'm not a tenor. <laughs> but you don't need to be a tenor. Um, to sing. I mean, one thing that we always say in in school is, if you can walk, you can. If you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. Yes, but I can't sing well. <laughs> I'm more of a yeah. yeller. All right, everyone's got perfect. I'm gonna yell, and I hope you're okay with that because it's gonna happen. Perfectly fine. Especially down when we're when we're when we're down four zero against St. Louis, then I'm definitely gonna be yelling. All right. All right. Some special guests showed up to Soldier Field. Swiss national team coach, and I'm going to butcher it, as always, Murat Yakin at the game. And I'm really, really interested to know if he was there to watch Shakiri in MLS or if he was there scouting Marin Selassie. What do you think? It has to be the second. Um, Shakiri is one of, I guess, the legends, I guess, of part of the team, someone that's fairly well known in Switzerland and in Europe in general. So, like, that man doesn't need to go across the pond to see, like, how he's doing in MLS. Because he can just read our comments and articles and podcasts at MRI97.com or meninredden97.com for that. But I feel like he wants to come and see someone that maybe hasn't really, you know, put their name out in the lights. Um, and that is our other Swiss guy, uh, Haller Selassie. So, you know, it was for him, in my opinion. On the contrary, I'm playing devil's advocate because I like to do that on this show. Mm-hmm. What if he got word that Shaq was being lazy bum and had to come see for himself because that type of stuff doesn't fly with him? What if that's the case? I mean, I guess. But like like I said, he could just see highlights and he could just see like all, like the the one clip that was shared over and over from Atlanta of him getting outplayed that led to the goal. I, I feel like he doesn't need to come to the U.S. to see that. But, I mean, if he wanted to, I guess he has the money to do so. I personally don't, so it's up to him. What if it's both? I haven't thought about could be. that. <laughs> could be. It also could be because he's doing a little bit of a league tour. I'm actually looking at the current other Swiss players um, within MLS. Um, there's there's three additional, actually two additional, because Stefan Fry is technically American, but he has dual citizenship, so he's Swiss and American. And I have a feeling that Mr. Yakin was not scouting Stefan Fry. Roman Berkey, it could be a, a check on Roman Berkey to see if he's still, you know, fit to be the Swiss, Swiss number one. And I think the 40-year-old goalkeeper, Eldin Jakubovic, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He's the only other Swiss player. So maybe they were doing a little round, you know, checking on the boys, yeah. saying hi. Pretty cool, maybe. though. It's, it's, it's not often that you get to see a, a pretty prominent national team coach come to Soldier Field to watch an MLS game. So pretty, pretty cool. The play on the field was not pretty, pretty cool. There yeah. were a slew of problems um, from a lot of players. The first one I want to highlight is Chris Muller, who 
if you have eyeballs, you saw that he didn't have the best game ever. Um, very, very frustrated. Got a yellow card due to that frustration. Uh, he's been struggling. And if he's struggling, that's really not great for our offense. Frustration is the key word for it. Um, there were a lot of times where he had a few uh, through balls or like long balls into the final third where he was running with it. And then last minute, he would lose possession or just essentially, you know, give away possession, poor decisions in those crucial moments. And you could see when he was getting, um, when the changes were made, he was frustrated. And this was, you know, a poor game from from Chris overall, which like you said, if Chris is having a poor game and he's a part of that essential critical, like this, this is, this should always be working, you know, hands down part of the field for us then problems continue. So yeah, that was that was one of the earlier, you know, points of of we woo we woo something's not right uh in the squad from Chris. This is in twenty twenty one when Orlando when Orlando sold Chris to Hibernian, there were a lot of people saying that Chris just fell off. Like it was weird. He went from being the best player in Orlando to he just was not, he wasn't the same player anymore. And I'm wondering if that's kind of what's happening now is something, be it mental or on the field, off the field, whatever. Just something happened and now it's just like, he, he's just not there anymore. At least for now. Maybe problems with players or management or something. Maybe it's just that he's under the impression he's got to do everything now. It's really bad, though, that because Mueller, I remember we were talking at the beginning of the season, Mueller was like on the top five MVP candidates. And now he's arguably not even in the top 10 best players in the squad right now. I'm a Mueller truther, for the <laughs> record. Just want to put that out there. I think it's a slump. Um, I think he'll be fine. I don't think, I don't think he's going to have as good of a season as last year. He looked really good last year. Um, but I think we have other capable wingers as well. And, uh, you know, if they rest him in Nashville and give, I don't know, Hyrule Torres a shot on that wing or even Shakiri out on the wing, which I would actually really, really, really like to see kind of a little Marin Shakiri out on the wing action. Um, give him a breather. See if he can come back, you know, for Open Cup week. Start him against St. Louis in the Open Cup. You know, that might be a good little mentality shift for him. Oh, you're dropping me down to a U.S. Open Cup early round game. Maybe I got to kick it into high gear. We'll see, though. He He's a vital part of the offense, and um, if he's firing on a cylinder, so is our offense. Kai Kamara, another beautiful goal. That goal was really cool to see the Suke cross into the header, and if, if, if it was anyone else other than Kai Kamara up front, it would have just gone all the way to the other side of the post, and it would have been cleared out by one of the New York Red Bull defenders, but that man leapt, made a connection, went into the back of the net and we were all like, yeah, we were all having fun. You know, on my drum was like fire, dun, 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 fire, dun, dun, dun. you know, we were, it was just great to see. Of course, second half <laughs> when we were all like, why is he still here? You know, cause you know, we love Kai and we we're like, okay, he should be starting ahead of Shibuka because you know, Shibuka's just not doing it and Kutsias because he's still, you know, he's still fresh. Why did he play the entire 90 minutes? And he was obviously tired, both in legs and in attitude. 
And when I was watching locker room interviews with him, his eyes were like almost bloodshot red. Like if you were like wearing contacts for a whole day and you didn't have eye drops. And he, you could tell that he was just out of it. So I don't know what was going through Ezra's mind to think that Kai could go a full 90 plus. Well, I'm just going to say that ignoring the fact that he was on for 90 minutes, and I've been very public about the fact that Kai Kamara should not be playing 90 minutes. Alan, did you just mansplain how to celebrate a goal for us? Is that what you just did? Did you just mansplain a, uh, like how to celebrate a goal properly? No, what the heck? Do you know what that term means? <laughs> Alan, Alan just went and explained to us on speaker how he celebrated his goal as if we didn't know how to celebrate a goal. And he's very he's very perplexed right now. But I feel like I just got mansplained too. I love the look on Alan's face right now. Maybe I'm just crazy, but that's just how I feel. And I wanted to make you aware that I was feeling that way. I'll take what the fuck is he gone about for 500, Alex? <laughs> Alan, I'm more mad that you didn't grab, you're not playing your snare drums when we started this episode. It's it's fairly late, and I don't I don't. It's loud. I don't want to do it's that. It's never too late for good music. On the contrary, I'm very happy you didn't play the snare drums because that would be like <laughs> super loud, and then also would be like, oh my god, now I have to edit these like super like snare drummy noises into it, and he'd get mad at me. Yeah. So, but back do it for to, Austin. Back back to the topic of Kai. He should have not played for a full 90 minutes. All right. All right. I'm not going back because I don't want to hear about this, whatever Matt was going on about or the snare. You know, I just, we got to keep things rolling. All right. Okay, dad. <laughs> Matt, what is your, you're clearly Alex. tired because you're not you. Oh, I'm sorry. Snickers like or something. <laughs> I'm usually the one who keeps us on track. And you're like, you're usually the mod- you're usually the moderator. You were the one that's like, Alan, don't. When I was trying to slide down the rails at SeatGeek, you were the one being the dad <laughs> man. That is true. That is, that 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 is true. But you're you're right, Alan. Kai Kamara should have played 90 minutes, and that was one of three blunders. Yep. In terms of failures, failures, I should say, of substitutes that Ezra failed to do. One, the one that probably pissed me off the most was um, bringing Shakiri on for the last 30 only to sit back in your half <laughs> and defend. And in case you don't have eyeballs or you just don't watch the fire or you don't understand tactics of anything, um, Shakiri is not really, um, or I shouldn't say not really, he doesn't have a work ethic, a specifically a defensive work ethic. So it was essentially playing a man down for the last 30, which and in case you didn't see, Corey Burke, Basically, the Fire's arch nemesis um, scored to tie it. And it sucked, and it was stupid, and it pissed a lot of people off, including myself. And I went on a little rant on Twitter about it. But what do we think? What do we think about those subs, DJ? Why? That, that That's literally all I can think. Like, if you're going to bring somebody off and put somebody else on, why bring off Marin Halasalase, who's having a pretty good game, for Johnny Dean, who's a right back, or slash left back, instead of bringing off Miguel Navarro, who half the time is almost on a red, and he was rather stupidly on a yellow, why not just bring him off and put on Dean? Or if you want to play four in the or five in the back, then just move Suke over, move Aceves to where Navarro is, and just take Mueller off and put Dean at right wing back. Something like that instead of, oh, hey, Marhal Salazi is having a good game. Take him off. 
why are you bringing off a player that's being really good and at the same time leaving on Kamara and taking off Guti, which I, I don't understand why you would take Guti off for Shakiri. Like, if you want to take anybody off for Shakiri, maybe Mueller. That was the one player that I could understand. But Guti is, what, 19 years old? His legs are still good. He definitely wants to kick ass. You can tell anytime he steps on the field. Why bring him off of all players? It's just like, we're back to the substitutions last year where it's like, you can see what he wants to do, but it just makes no sense. It just stupid substitutions at stupid times, wasting minutes that we could be using with good players. At the same time, it's like when not only bringing on Shakiri for Guti, which just it's not the same quality, but having what was it, three or four full fullbacks at the same time, having Miguel Navarro, you had John, you had Dean coming on, you had Aceves coming on, four, Matt showing four. It's like, per qué, pourquoi, Like I personally, comparing to the Atlanta game, where yeah, he didn't have the right starting eleven, but he made the changes and that changed the game. And it's like, okay, maybe Ezra is starting to see what kind of subs he needs to make or like what kind of starting eleven he needs to make. Then. He made a decent starting eleven, probably one of the best ones, you know, with depending on where your opinion of Miguel Navarro is, and then made even more incredibly frustrating and questionable, you know, substitutions. It's it's eye scratching, it's head scratching, it's scratching wherever it itches after watching this game. So <laughs> it's just what is the thought process behind this? And, you know, the players are tired themselves of this, I honestly. Because I'm pretty sure a lot from what I've been hearing, a lot of the players themselves, you know, are just like themselves, like, what is going on? Could be. The, another thing that really drove me crazy, and I didn't tweet about this one, I thought about it recently, is Jairo Torres, our DP, who we started off playing on the wing, was on the bench, meaning that he was at least fit enough to play, you know, X amount of minutes. Because if he wasn't fit enough, why would he be on the bench? So my question was, you have this young DP who's supposed to be super talented and is probably fit enough to play 20 minutes. Why aren't you bringing a guy like him in for, you know, a struggling Chris Muller? Mm -hmm. Ezra played Torres on the wing before. You know, instead of bringing in a fullback who's a very traditional fullback, fullback like Jonathan Dean, or a guy like Alonzo Seves, who, and in my opinion, the, I think the only reason that a Seves came in left wing is because he played really well against House. Yep. Well, guess what, Ezra? Like, Red Bulls are an MLS team. They might not be a good MLS team, but they're better than Chicago House. And I think he kind of jumped on that performance too much. I would have much preferred to see, like DJ said, a guy like Shakiri out there or a guy like Jairo Torres. Put him in for the 20 minutes. If he's not match fit enough, put, bring a guy like Monas on the bench. Obviously, I'm biased when I say that, but Monas yeah. is actually a winger, you know? It's confusion. It's frustration. I don't understand it. I don't think you guys understand it. No one understands it. And I know for a fact that it's led to the hot seat. And the hot seat is heating up rapidly, and it doesn't get easier. Our next two matches, Nashville away, St. Louis at home, twice. Those could very well result in three losses. Then Ezra's probably axed. Mayhaps at this point. Because no one's happy currently. I will say, if Ezra is ha is axed, it has to be Heights too. 
Amen. Package deal. Liquidation. Get them all out. Don't care. Mm-mm. I would love to see Klopas ball. I mean, that's sar- sarcasm, but. I, I would love that. Not sarcastically. I'd be all right with it. I saw someone ironically saying Jesse Marsh, and I was like really thinking to myself, would I want that? And I think the answer is yes. I'm going to be real. Offer him literally everything. Anything yeah. he wants. Yeah, he's going to be the new U.S. coach, but like bring him back home. You know, screw it. Yeah. Why not? Like someone who knows the system, had a great Red Bulls team, developed youth, developed Tyler Adams, who's Tyler Adams and is doing his thing. I don't know. Food for thought. We could talk about potential coaching candidates when Ezra, in my opinion, is inevitably fired because I don't think this is sustainable. Yeah. And even if he turns it around, you know, he's got the he's got the, he's he's on the hot seat. Once you're on the hot seat, I feel like it's really difficult to get off the hot seat. And going to what I was talking about, like the locker room, because there are some interviews, uh, Kamara said, we, uh, when asked about the atmosphere in the locker room, as well as, you know, thoughts about the loss, he said, we didn't need the coach to tell us how mad he was. A lot of us had our heads down and saying, hey, that's not good enough. Heads down, and you could definitely see the frustration. There was one player that I remember clear, clear as day, and that was Miguel Navarro. Not only was he on the ground after that loss, he was slamming his fists into the ground. He was mad after that game. So, you know, even when we criticize Miguel Navarro for how he plays, he's frustrated himself. You can at least see that. And when Chios was asked the same thing, he says, you can hear it in the locker room how we feel, you know, referring to the silence. This This hasn't happened for the first time. We're losing points, especially at home. Every game feels like a loss. That's coming from our captain. This hasn't happened for the first time. Every game feels like a loss. The players are feeling it as well. So we're not the only ones frustrated here, both from those comments in the locker room and from the clear frustration shown on the game, on the pitch after the final whistle. And uh, Tom Boger on Twitter, you know, he mentioned that the Fire have now dropped six points from winning positions and that they have the worst, league-worst GD of negative four after the 75th minute. And if it wasn't for those uh, dropped points, we would currently be tied for fourth in the conference. But because of that, we're 11th with 11 points. Hey, man. Keep the faith, I guess, right? Amen. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's essentially... We're, 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 we're driving on a prayer, or however that song goes. So, living on, living a, prayer. on a prayer? Living on that a prayer. Yeah. There we go. I'm, I'm just... Just so, ugh. we're trusting the process. We're trusting the process for the last decade or something. So, yep. Well, it's a it's a it's a fresh start Saturday against Nashville, and honestly, we've looked pretty good on the road so far this season. I know we you know we've had the two losses, but I wouldn't say we got outperformed um, in either of those losses. They were just both you know fire being fire at the end of the day. Nashville, two wins, two draws. One loss. Not as good as they were last year, but they do have Hani Mukhtar. Consistently a threat. Consistently damn MVP candidate good quality. That didn't make any sense, but you got the message. Most importantly, I'll be at the game. So, I'm very excited. Sure. It's going to be your, your away game, so have fun with that. Going, to, going down with a couple of the other MIR boys. It's going to be fun. Very quickly, score predictions. What do we think? I mean, we know I'm going to say a win because I will never not say a win, so I'm going 2-1. Chris Muller, revenge game on his own mentality, not revenge on anything else, just his own psyche. 
In my opinion, it's going to be a one-goal game either way. It depends, once again, on which Ezra Hendrickson comes out. Is it going to be the one where he makes good subs? Is it going to be the one where he makes a good starting lineup? You know, we just have to roll the dice and see what we get. Personally, rolling the dice sort of in between, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be another draw. I'm going to say it's going to be like a 1-1 or a 2-2 at this point. So I know that's not the usual Allen optimism, but, you know, uh, I'm tired as well. I'm trying. I, I really am. The only, thing okay. that's, the only thing that's keeping me running right now is just the need to get this quarter for school finished as well as just other stuff like that. So I just need to... Life, man. Like, obla di obla da, life goes on on. La, 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 DJ, goes on. what do you think? I, I, I'm saying it's going to be 3-1 loss. Uh, Nashville is good. Na- that's the problem. And that Honey Mukhtar is good. No, Nashville's got Walker Zimmerman. And like Fafa Pico, I remember last game, I was watching the game. He was actually decent. But like anytime the fire come down to the south, there's always that one game that they just completely botch. That's going to be this game, I think. There's always mm. that one away game. I'm just saying, DJ, you're leaving me with some bad juju going down to the Nashville. I'm not appreciative of this. I'll remember this. I will I will give Noah I, I will say that the one goal of the fire score comes from Miguel Navarro. Because <laughs> there's Noah. always that, that one game where the fire get beaten bad, but then that one random player scores. <laughs> like last year last year or was the year before that uh it was in Nashville that I think Ali Seda scored. Cap got sent off, and Ali Seda got like a really good goal, like four nil down already. But I'm just gonna say before I pass it over to Alan, I want to put this on the record that that is my least favorite prediction of the year. Putting that on the record, DJ's three one <laughs> loss with Navarro being the lone goal scorer, least favorite prediction of the year. Alan, what were you gonna say? What I'm gonna go ahead and say is that we're heading into incredibly rough territory for both the Flyer and for fans. That New York Red Bulls game should have been a win. Because in the next two weeks, normally you would have two games, maybe three with the cup game. We have five. We have five games in the next two weeks. That's this upcoming Saturday against Nashville. Tuesday is St. Louis in the Open Cup. A few days later is Saturday, the 13th of May, St. Louis again. Then Wednesday, you were, were playing in Charlotte. And then that same Saturday, we're playing against Atlanta at home. Five games, two weeks. This is going to be a fairly, I don't, I don't want to say it's going to be a rough patch, but it's going to be a lot, both for us as fans and whatever we have to deal with, you know, over there and both for the fire, what they have to put up on that, you know, put up on the pitch, you know, and they're going to have to think about who needs minutes, who needs to be subbed out, who needs to start, and do they deserve it? It's, it's going to be rough. And having those three points before going into that rough stretch would have been nice but currently without that and going into this stretch with the usual, the fire is going to fire. It's, mm, you know, it's, it's a bit rough and I wouldn't be surprised if there would be a few changes after that stretch or even during that stretch. So that's what I have to say. It's going to be a very interesting next two weeks for us fire fans. My question too is with Nashville, does Ezra, plan for Nashville or does he plan for St. Louis for the Open Cup? 
These are professional athletes. The plan should be the same. That's just my opinion. A win is a win. Yep. Work them hard, baby. These guys are pros. Question of the day. (laughs) What is a fire MLS conspiracy theory you either have or like and why? And do you think it's true? I, I can go first. Go ahead. I think there's a secret clause in Shakiri's contract where if he doesn't receive a certain amount of appearances due to non-injury-related like factors, like being on the bench, it'll trigger like another $10 million clause that he'll get paid. So the reason he subbed in for the last 30 minutes wasn't because that Ezra actually thought he would be a defensive help, but because Joe is secretly pulling the strings and doesn't want that secret $10 million clause to come in because Shakiri didn't play enough games when he was healthy. That's all I'm saying. Totally true. Sorry, Joe. Just exposed your whole plan. That would not be the weirdest thing I've ever heard, honestly. I just came up with that, too. I'm very impressed with myself. (laughs) DJ, what are you thinking? I know you have an answer for this. Yeah, it would be the one that was being thrown around for years under Nelson, which is MLS brought Nelson in to do to Chicago what he did to Chivas so that we could relocate to Las Vegas or something like that. Screw him. Uh, yeah, and to that I say, I think we're giving too much credit to Nelson Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> like, Nelson was brought into Chivas for one reason, and that was don't let everybody here kill themselves because we're not finding a bidder for this. Like, that's the only reason Chivas got a general manager in 2014. The fact that the fire hired him, he's just sucked. Yeah, he was not great. Although I will say, there were plenty of times where somebody, where people blamed Nelson for stuff. I remember a while back, people got mad at Nelson and Pano because of Lovell Palmer getting injured. Palmer never played under Pano or Nelson. But it's fun to blame Nelson. It's so easy, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Or now, I guess it's Heights. Why why not both? Have we ever seen Heights and Nelson in the same room at the same time? No, but they both have glasses, and that's enough for me. Exactly. Alan, what are you thinking? What's your conspiracy? I, first of all, have to go on the record saying I hate conspiracy theories. <laughs> I've grown up now with oldies that are essentially the, almost the Polish version of QAnon. So it's, it's, it's hard for me. So I usually try to avoid conspiracy theories and like stuff like that for the most. So I'm just going to do like a little fan favorite one. And that's, um, I think, or I mentioned it yesterday, something like that Matt has not seen a loss or something like that. Or like, he mentioned that like, if you're at the game, then this team does fairly well. But if not, then, or something else. I can't remember. Or it could be that um, if, I know you mentioned it, Matt, like you told me not to sit in the front row at the games or something bad's going to happen. And I did at the game against, um, who, who, who was, I think it was the Union. And they also dropped two to two. So I know it sucks. I don't know any conspiracy theories, essentially. So, I will say the the thing was that up until the Minnesota game, uh, all of my Soldier Field experience games have been ties, every single one. Ah, I've not seen a win outside of that game, and I've not seen a loss. Um, so I'm known as the tie machine, apparently. Well, I guess I carried that energy for you for Red Bulls, so... Hey, thanks, man. I no appreciate problem. it. So I guess that's my conspiracy theory because I, I simply just don't know any. And I, I, I low-key don't want to because I, <laughs> I dislike it. I don't like conspiracy theories. 
I feel like it's no, that's too much. Totally, totally yeah. fair and reasonable. And we thank you for your honesty, as yeah. always, Alan. Please continue to be. I try to be honest, and I'm sorry if that's not the answer you're looking for, DJ. So, on the topic of, I just realized I have in a season where I where I've been able to watch the fire for free slash with free cable or whatever. They have never finished under fifty or under forty nine points. You're the difference, DJ. <laughs> so, because back in 2017, I got my uh, I got to see the fire for free because Kevin Hegan hooked me up. I don't know why, but and the fire were good that year. So, what I'm what I'm saying is, people should be buying me the Apple Pass. If you've learned anything <laughs> from this episode, it's that I'm mediocre luck, and DJ is apparently our savior. Screw firing Ezra, screw firing Heights. DJ's our savior. So thank you, DJ. Round of applause for DJ. I'm yes, clapping. Round of applause. I'm clapping. And I'm you know what I just note. realized too? Oh, here he goes. Alan's wearing glasses, so Alan is actually Greg Heights. That is the greatest conspiracy of them all. <laughs> Immediately takes them off. I actually was without my glasses. I was wearing contact lenses at the last game, so... Can't I, I guess I just gotta keep wearing contacts to games. <laughs> Honestly. And on that note, I'd like to say thank you. Yes. Thank you to all of you for turning into once again another ridiculous episode where Matt's gone crazy this time and Alan has to be the one to calm him down. I hope you've learned you something. When you're hungry. I'm not me when I'm hungry. I hope you've learned something. Most importantly, I hope you enjoyed us talking. It's it's so fun to to come on every week, or at least mainly every week. And talk to you guys about the fire and the, and the rest of life. And we really enjoy it. So continue to support the, the boys by retweeting it on Twitter, liking it, showing it to your gran, as we like to famously say here. Share it with your nan. Show, share it with your nan. And as always, um, come on, you men in red. Navy blue for now, but red next year. Let's go fire. Match day vlog coming for Nashville. Keep your eye out for that. Going to be super fun. Boys, talk to you later. Wow.